0: We are finishing. He's upset because it's the last message in the book of Ephesians. He's, he's really enjoyed the whole Ephesians series. But now we have come to uh, the very last one. We've, we're in chapter 6. We're going to go through chap, uh, verses 10 through 24. So covering a lot of ground here this morning. I'm only going to preach an hour and a half today. I figure I stored some up in the bank because I missed two weeks. So, I get those two weeks plus today, but I'm going to cut it short at an hour and a half. So, people are like, Is he serious? Yes. Of course, I'm serious. No, I'm just playing. We'll, we'll do our, our regular length, I think, and it's going to be a blessing. Verses 10 through 24 is where we're going to read. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak so that you may know so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing Tychicus the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts Peace be to the brothers And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Heavenly Father, thank you for your powerful word. Thank you for the word that cuts, that's sharp. It divides between the soul and spirit. It reveals truths. It brings clarity to things that we were absolutely ignorant on. It brings us help and hope on things that we didn't have a clue about. You bring us strength when we didn't even know we were weak. You bring us clarity and we didn't even know we were confused. God, we ask today that as we look into your word, as your word is, as, is taught and as your word is preached, that you would bring revelation and that you would bring application for us. Help us to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. Help us to be wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Help us to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit And help us to put on the full armor of God. That we would defend against attacks from the enemy. And that we would advance and attack, pushing back the gates of darkness. Glorify your name through us. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. Amen. So we know we had looked through Ephesians. We had seen the first few chapters. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He was just blessing the church and saying, this is who you are. And then the, the, the final three chapters is getting very practical. Therefore, do this. Because God has done this, here's what life should look like. Because God has done this, here's how you should behave. Here's what Christian living looks like very practically. And now he's wrapping it up, as he says there in verse 10. Finally, so in conclusion, because of all that, wrapping it all up, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's a simple idea, but it's a powerful one. It's an important one. Christians are supposed to be strong. Christians are not supposed to be weak. Not weak. Why? Because they have an endless supply of strength. Really? Yes. It's called their father. You have a father who loves you and he is limitless. Limitless in strength. This is where our supply comes from. And this is why we can truly be limitless. Where do you find yourself turning typically though when you need strength? Hopefully straight to the father. That would be where we want to go. If I'm weak, where else would I go except straight to my Father who loves me? Straight to, straight to God who cares for me well. But I don't always do that. There have been times where you may have find yourself turning to something else, to someone else. It could have been a person. It could have been a drink. It could have been a pill. It could have been your own strength, which is a limited rubber band that, has, that reaches its limit and becomes worn out and exhausted but nothing else is real strength. It's actually just a deception. And that's what we're going to get into a little bit more this morning, understanding that we have an enemy who deceives. And oftentimes we're tempted to think about that deception as something that would be extreme. Something like we look at our culture, we look at the lost world around us and we go, oh, this is so obviously demonic. This is is such an obvious deception that's taking place in the world around us. The examples I could list are, are very plain to you already. They're at the top of your mind. But what if I'm not guilty of those things? What if I'm not falling prey to those things? Is it possible that Satan could still be deceiving us as believers? Is it possible that there are subtle little things that have just become normalized in my personality and in my life where I just go, "Oh no, that's that's just that that's just the way that is or that's just who I am." Or no, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And maybe John Michael, or maybe you've become deceived. Is it possible that even the elect, even the, the believers could be lazy? Is it possible that the believers could become distracted? Is it possible that the believers could be deceived, not wearing the armor of God and not recognizing that they have an enemy that's not flesh and blood? So we're going to get into that. In verse 11, let's keep going. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I do a lot of talk about the offensive measures that the church should take. I talk a lot about how the church is advancing and the church is advancing, amen? Amen. The church of Jesus is being built by Jesus himself. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Gates are defensive measures. He's saying the gates of hell will not keep us out. We will break in and we will pull people out for the glory of God because we love people and because we love God, nothing can stop Jesus and his church from invading darkness with light. This is good news for the whole world. And yet here, we're given some defensive measures. Yet here, we're given some armor to put on, some protective shields, helmet, breastplate, some things to, because the enemy also does have some offense. Then The enemy does make attacks. The scripture makes that clear as well. So we don't glorify his attacks, but we're aware. We're wise and aware and understanding. So hell has gates that we're storming, but here the Lord tells us about our defensive measures. But notice our defensive measures. Our defensive measures are not a fortress that we go run and hide in. He doesn't say, hide in the castle of the Lord, the end. No, our defensive measures is is an armor that we put on so that we can fight in battle. It's not a hide and wait. Jesus, come, I'll just do nothing in the meantime, I'm scared. But our defensive measures are armor and go into battle. Am I armored up? Of course. That was the wise and appropriate thing to do. I have a real enemy. Satan is not an idiot. He is a loser, but he is not an idiot. He is defeated, but he is not an idiot. He's been studying humans from the beginning of humans. He deceived us very early on, and he continues to study human nature and human behavior. Satan knows the scriptures. Satan is real, by the way. And Satan has, Satan was even able to convince one-third of all of God's created angels to join him. We now refer to them as demons, all defeated, by Jesus, all under the feet of Jesus, under the feet of the church. So we have authority, and yet they still have a limited power. They still have some degree of work that they can accomplish. There's some mystery regarding these things, but the thing that matters most is that the church understands that we can walk in power, but we must also walk in wisdom. So here the scripture is making clear to us, here's how, here's what it looks like to walk in wisdom. And don't be foolish. Don't think that you're just are wrestling with flesh and blood oh man we just got to vote right in the next election by all means please vote right in the next election and do not be so naive as to think that voting is our solution as the church that is not how we will take over the world we will take over the world for the glory of god by making disciples for the glory of god that's the takeover strategy we don't need a red wave or a blue wave or pick your favorite color wave we need just the blood of jesus Minister to people through the power of the simple preaching of the gospel so that people can repent and be transformed. Because when a life is transformed, then we see God's kingdom come to bear in all of our political sphere and everything else as well. So we do have defensive measures, but it's not a hiding spot. It is armor that we put on so that we can still advance in battle. Why? Well, verse 11 and verse 13 tell us why. To stand against the schemes of the devil. We need to be aware, and we need to be prepared, never afraid, Amen. but prepared to withstand. So when you talk about this passage, uh, oftentimes the phrase "spiritual warfare" will be brought up, and I think it's an appropriate term. I think uh, obviously this is a, a clear these are clear terms of war, and we understand that there's a spiritual battle taking place, but we're careful not to glorify the devil, yeah. so I find that there's a, a temptation to sometimes Overemphasize the work of the enemy, but I think I think most of the time we err on the side of of underemphasizing the enemy. I think most of the time the church in general wants to stay on the side of just my brain. Everything's just brain chemistry and logic, and this happened because of that. and And I think we have often become ignorant to the attacks of the enemy. But this isn't what the Lord wants for us. So Jesus tells us that the storm comes to a righteous man's life and to an unrighteous man's life. One withstands the storm because his life is built on obedience to the word of God, and the other's life is destroyed. So when we look at the word of God, we see that the word of God is a spiritual book, and he's describing a spiritual kingdom for spiritual people in a spiritual world. We see in the book of Daniel, where Daniel had been praying for something in particular, and Daniel had been praying for 21 days. And finally, an angel brings a, brings a message to Daniel. And he says, hey, the Lord sent me as soon as you prayed, 21 days ago. But I've been warring, fighting in, in the air, in the skies with a demon. The scripture calls him the Prince of Persia. I've been fighting with this demon for 21 days. Michael came and helped me. And then I was able to fully come through and bring you the message what? No, no, no. It's that can't, that can't be right. It's just, I pray to God, God gives the thing, and there's nothing else going on, right? That would be ignorant. That would be a misunderstanding, clearly. Now, we don't have a ton of passages that give us that, but we have that example to go, there's, some, there's more here than meets the eye. I thought when I just prayed, the Lord responds and answers, and that's all there is to it. But well, man, what, what's going on there? Well, there is a limited authority that demonic powers have a limited authority that demonic powers have for a limited time. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, they will be totally crushed. They will be totally sent to hell for all eternity where all of God's enemies are. Anyone who has not bent the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ out of love and devotion for him. And yet we understand that, that there's something happening here. Now, I think some of this also changes as the New Testament comes, as Christ firmly establishes defeat over the powers of darkness, pours out his spirit on the church, and yet still... We've got to understand that there are, there are demonic ranks. Some Sometimes people get really specific on this stuff and they, they want to emphasize it. I don't think it's that important to know all the names. Why? Well, the scripture didn't get that explicit. The Ephesian church didn't read this letter from Paul and go, let's decode every rank of demon. Well, there's ranks, there's authorities, like there's hierarchy. Okay. The same thing in the angelic kingdom. hierarchy's not a wicked thing, um, but we understand that, that there's something going on there. So oftentimes as a As believers, we said the devil's been doing this or the devil's been doing that. And what we mean is the devil's side, the powers of darkness, but it's very unlikely that that it was literally Satan himself. Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. Satan is limited. Satan is limited because he's one person and Satan is limited because he has a limited amount of people like him, of other demons. That's it. They have their camp and that's it. All they can do from here is try and recruit humans to to be with them or to, and to be faithful or to be, to be faithful to the world system rather than to that of the Lord. So we understand this, we're aware of it, and yet we move on and we go, okay, I understand there's something going on there. Are there more questions? Sure, I got a bunch of questions about it. Is it interesting? It could be, uh, but at the same time, we don't wanna go beyond what the scripture tells us to do. We have authority. What does Jesus do with demons? Well, Jesus crushes them. Jesus tells them to shut up and come out. Jesus makes demons scared. Jesus eats demons for breakfast. So we see demons in the Bible begging Jesus for mercy. Mm -hmm. Demons beg Jesus for mercy. They come running to him, son of God, swear to God that you will not destroy me before the time, that you will not torment me before. I know what's coming. I know who you are. Jesus is Lord over every angel. Jesus is Lord over every demon. And he comes to set the captives free. Who can testify to being set free from demonic power in their lives? Look at all the hands. We've all experienced it it to to one degree or another, some more than others. But Jesus comes to set the captives free. And if you want to be free of demonic power, Jesus will set you free. But you get to make that choice. Will you be free? The blind man comes to Jesus. Jesus says, what do you want? What do you think he wants, Jesus? No, I want to hear from him. What What do you want? What do you want? Well, I want my sight, then you can have it. Do you want to be free? Then you can be free. Amen. Jesus will do the work. Jesus drives out demons. Amen. But we understand we do have defensive measures here, and we do want to be wise. And we understand we're not fighting with flesh and blood. We're not fighting with politicians. We're not fighting with co workers. We're not fighting with family members. We're not fighting with liberals. We're not fighting with conservatives. We're not fighting with feminists. We wrestle and we overcome. These rulers, these authorities, these cosmic powers and these spiritual forces, as the scripture puts it, that are in, quote, heavenly places. Heavenly places. What's that mean? Well, not in heaven with the Lord, but unearthly, yeah. unearthly. So somehow, even when that angel was coming to bring Daniel that message, like the prince of Persia was like ruling over the air. There's something about, you know, up, up above us in the realms of the air. I don't know. I don't know. It's, that, that part, the details don't matter that much to me. Um But again, we want to understand what the practical outcomes are going to be for us. What does this mean for us? So like we said, we have to be aware and guarded against the influence of Satan's lies. So in verse 14, we start to get our our specific... In verse 13, we've been given our command, take up the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having having done all to stand firm. Now he says it again, stand therefore. Three stands. Stand, stand, stand. Verse 14. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the truth is where we begin. This is the piece of armor that all the other pieces depended on. It was the soldier's starting point for dressing for battle. So what Paul was actually doing here, everybody who was reading this letter would have understood he was describing the armor of a Roman soldier. The Romans were the ruling army over them. They saw Roman soldiers all the time. They understood all the pieces of armor on a Roman soldier. So Paul, the Holy Spirit is guiding Paul to make those comparisons. So everything that he's describing here, they're going Oh, oh, he's, he's dressing the soldier. I see everything. But the belt was where the bre- the breastplate would have been secured to the belt. Your sword is going to be secured on your belt. Multiple pieces would be connected. So this is the starting point. We start with the truth, the piece of armor that everything else needs. Because Satan, of course, attacks truth because he is the father of lies. There is a spiritual influence that comes against us, but it's deception, it's lies, and they can even be quite subtle. Mm. So not everything, like we said, is just brain chemistry and your upbringing and your trauma. Those are the things that the West has taught us to believe. Everything is just what has happened to you. You are just your experiences. You're just your opinions. You're just your, the way that you were raised. Well, my dad said this or my parents did that to me. All these things happened to me. All that's real. But that's not all that you are. That's, the, that's not the sum total. If we could just go change some of those pieces of that equation, there were other invisible influences. So brain chemistry is real. Upbringing has a harvest that follows it. Trauma needs to be healed. But we have an invisible enemy. And if he can get you to believe the lies about your behavior, he can get you to believe that your, brain, that your brand of sin is actually okay. And then you're in danger. So think about this. Paul the one who the Holy Spirit was writing this letter through at this time, this was a man who believed he was doing God's work when he was literally killing people. Yeah. He was persuaded and convinced by demons that he was doing the work of God. Because remember, he wasn't always a Christian. He was a Jew, and he thought, I love God, the true God of the Jews. These Christians are a cult. I'm going to kill them and eradicate their false teaching. He was confident that he was working for the Lord God Almighty. He was deceived. That's a significant deception. We would agree. So if Paul, a, a good Jew, who knew the Old Testament could have been deceived to such a degree, is it possible that you and I, even as spirit-filled Christians, could be deceived to a lesser degree? Yeah, it most definitely is possible. So, of course, we want to be free of the extremes of our culture. For example, abortionists who actually believe that what they do is compassion. Mm -hmm. That's deception. But they believe that. They really do. They would say, well, in this scenario, this is a compassionate thing. Even the kindness of the wicked is cruel, the scripture says. But that's a deception that comes from the, we want to wrestle with them and tell them they're all. Well, absolutely, There's some, there is some wrestling that should be taking place. The, the, the will and the word of God should be established as the law of the land. Why? Because Jesus is the king of everyone, everywhere. Uh, he's not too interested in anyone's constitution. He's interested in his. But that's an extreme that we would think of. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not being deceived that way. Well, good. But are there things in your thought life that the enemy has shot there? with his flaming arrows. This is the kind of thing that as we continue to get into the word of God with truth, we start to get set free from. So you may tend toward the belief that the spiritual realm has little effect on us, or you may tend toward the belief that almost everything happens is affected by spiritual beings. Generally, I think we would be safer, wiser, holier, and more mature if we leaned more toward spiritual understandings. Because we're so logical, we're so cerebral, that we can rationalize anything and then keep leaning on that arm of flesh. But we are citizens of the kingdom of God. But we're still tempted to keep our things on mind. We're still tempted to keep our mind on things below rather than heavenly minded things. Now, it's important that we make those things practical. And like I said, it's important that we don't go, as as you might be tempted to say, off the deep end. You know, like I put it this way in the past. I'm not naive enough to think there's a demon behind every door. And I'm not naive enough to think there's not. Mm-hmm. Because when you put demons in their proper place, which is under the feet of Jesus, we get rid of all the ooh factor. <laughs> oh, what, what about this? What about... Pfft. Read the Bible. How, what does Jesus do with demons? Shut up. Come out. Amen. So we're not going to overcomplicate scenario. the scenario. It's not a question. It's not some epic struggle in the boxing match between Jesus and the demons. It's not that. <laughs> it's not. It's not that at all. Jesus crushes his enemies under his feet. He turns them into his footstool. <laughs> what do you do with your enemies? Jesus like, takes them to the taxidermist and he's like, could you make this enemy my footstool? I want to prop my feet up when I'm drinking my coffee in the morning on my enemy. He makes a show of them openly, the scripture says, yeah. leading us in triumphal procession. So this was something that happened in the ancient world. When you would defeat an army, you would bring the high-ranking officials and the kings and you would march them behind you. You would march, you would return to your city. You would cut the big toe off the, off the leaders so that they couldn't stand against you in battle. They couldn't press against you ever again. And you would bring them through the street, naked and in chains before the city. And all the people would rejoice because these wicked oppressors had been crushed and defeated. Hopefully the good guys won. <laughs> but, these, yeah. but in Jesus' case, so Jesus leads them into triumphal procession. Come on come on and saying this is it the scripture says that someday when we finally see satan we're going to say is that the man that was the one who deceived the nations so disappointing so disappointing i thought there would be you know more going on i thought there was going to be like something intimidating is that the man the scripture says yeah yeah not so not not so big not so tough and yet, not an idiot, very clever, very deceptive, very twisted in the way that he can use the word of God. So have confidence to know that we have power to, to protect us and also put on your power. You have a breastplate of righteousness. You have a helmet. You have a sword. You have weapons. You better put them on. I don't need that. So- no, 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 no. Don't misunderstand. There's great power available and you better apply it appropriately put on the full armor of God that you would be able to stand against temptation. So don't hear me minimizing. Don't hear me making light of the work of Satan. But do hear me minimizing his power for the believer who has who has deliberately obeyed his word. They're leaving to go do some setup. I haven't offended that many people this morning. Like this one's been I feel like this one's been pretty tame so far. Where were we? So he started with the, the belt of truth. The, the breastplate of righteousness is next. This is the thing protecting your heart. The righteousness of Jesus has been given and applied to you. This reassurance, the reassurance of this gift is your protection against the condemnation of the enemy. So that you can say, I'm loved by God and free from the power of sin. Jesus came to save us from our sins. The Bible doesn't even say that Jesus came to save us from the devil. He saved us from our sins. Have you been saved from sin? Yeah, yeah, I don't get punished for it. No, 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 it doesn't say we're saved from the punishment of our sin. He came to save us from our sin. Are you free from the power of your sin? Or does sin still have you? If sin still has you, does Jesus really have you? But the breastplate of righteousness is the protection for our heart when we've put on the righteousness of Christ, been made new in his image, been saved, rescued, forgiven from our sins to the place where we can say, I am loved by God and free from the power of sin. I have been saved, devil, and therefore you have no jurisdiction. This is a protection against the lies of the enemy because he will always come after your identity, just like he did with Jesus in the wilderness, If you're the Son of God, then turn the stones into bread. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from the temple. If you'll bow down and worship me. But he challenges identity. If you're really who you think, if you're some Christian, if this, if that. These are lies. These are arrows that come in from the outside. You can recognize the attacks of the enemy because they come from external. This is... uh, Lord, the Lord will help me to communicate this, but when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and when you have God living inside of you, there is this sense that he's inside of you because he is. But attacks from the enemy, they don't come from within. That's right. Now you have flesh, so you have your own fleshly temptations, but attacks from the enemy, it's almost like you're minding your own business. And the next thing, and he's just over here, and you go, Tum. like, now this impression has come upon you. This sinful temptation has hit you. But if you will learn to slow down in those moments and go, ooh, did I not have my armor on? Yeah. But as you pay attention, as you have the helmet on, as you have the breastplate on, as you're covered in the truth of God, when these things come, you can even recognize, you go, ooh, that bounced right off the breastplate. Amen. Praise, Praise God. You. I knew, I, I, I sensed that. I can even tell where that came from. Yeah. Is any of that making sense? Can anybody relate to that? You're like, yeah. that came from outside. Mm-hmm. No, I don't hate that person. Mm-hmm. I love them. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, Nice try, devil, but now I'm going to pray for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I'm going to pray for him. He's like, ugh, they had on the armor. you tagged on right I did. And if I hadn't, he'd have had a clean shot to my heart. Oh, I hate that person. I mean, I won't say hate because I'm not allowed to hate, but I really do hate him. Mm-hmm. I know I hate him. The Lord knows I hate him. The devil knows I hate him because the way I act towards him. <clears throat> I have an ill will. I hope that that thing happens. I hope that bad thing happens. Or maybe I don't hope it happens, but when it does, I'll just kind of go, they had it coming. All that stuff. That's a that's a believer who is not put on the armor. Yeah. That's a believer who's just a pincushion for the devil. Mm-hmm. He's shooting all of his fiery darts and goes, Ugh, uh, uh. Well, you know, they have done me wrong and I I've got an excuse. I've got logic to justify everything. You know, I can I can explain away why I am this way. And it's all and it's not such a big deal. The Lord loves me. The Lord does love you, but you're useless in battle. You're 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 wounded. You're wounded and you don't even know you're wounded. You're taking us out of the fight and we're here to tend to you, a.k.a. address a lot of your sin and try and restore you with gentleness. This arrow, when this thing comes out, it's going to hurt. Yeah. This thing was intended to enter one way and not exit another. So the the body is here for you. We love you. And yet, please put on your armor. Please put on the, the plates. Right. Uh, I read of a military leader in, in Iraq. He was... Um, their their unit was being very successful in all the missions that they were accomplishing. This was a, a group of Navy SEALs, and one day he was sending his men out to battle once more, and he patted one of them on the back as they were leaving, and he didn't have his backplate in, which is like, it's just part of your armor. And he pats him on the back, and he said, it was like, hey, where's your backplate? He's like, oh man, I haven't been wearing them lately, because I ain't, we ain't turning our back on the, on the enemy anyway, are we boss? He was like, I realized we had become overconfident. Mm. We had become cocky. And it's, it put the fear of God in me. And I gathered all my men and, and reinforced the importance of, of what they had to do. Now, that was a backplate. We're not given a backplate. But, but the point is, put on your armor. Yeah. I'm a good soldier. Oh, great. And wear your armor. We have a real enemy. We have a real enemy. He's shooting at you. Yeah. Okay? Well, I'm not going to turn my... Well, put on the whole armor be wise and pay attention. Satan is seeking. He's, he's going around like a roaring lion looking for somebody who, can de- who he can devour. Ooh, that's the target that I want. We've all watched the Discovery Channel. You've all watched the, 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 they pick off the smallest one. They pick off the weakest one. They pick off the slowest one. Now we're not going to leave you alone. We're not going to let you get picked off. So when, when you've forgotten your armor, I got you covered. When I've forgotten my armor, you've got me covered. And yet, we're still commanded to put on our own armor. Next, he goes into verse 15. We should put on the shoes. These shoes that you put on, you put on shoes when it's time to go somewhere, when it's time to go do something. We should be prepared to share the gospel. As shoes for your feet, what are the shoes for our feet? Having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. That means I'm ready to share the gospel. I am prepared. I'm ready. Did that mean I took some class? You don't have to take some class. Tell the good news of the kingdom of God. Hey, Jesus is king. And that's good news for everybody, by the way, because he died for your sins. Well, I didn't ask him to die for my sins. Uh, You should have (laughs) because you needed him to. And we're all dead in our trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, gave himself up for us while we were still sinners. He loved us. He cared for us. That's the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. Bend the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Serve him, let him make you new. He wants to bring you into the Father's house. This isn't an an exclusive message where we say, ha, God loves us and we're elite. We're saying, God loves us and he loves you. But you must repent of your sins. That is what brings the forgiveness of sins. So you put on your shoes when it's time to go somewhere and do something. We should be prepared to share the gospel. The Roman soldiers that the that the saints would have been aware of as they were reading this, they would have understood. The Roman soldiers, they had spikes on the bottom of their shoes. Why? So you can dig in and advance. So now this is an offensive measure. They're not defending their feet, but their feet have spikes in the bottom of, the, of them. They got cleats on so they can dig in and battle to advance. We should grow out of our barefoot Christianity very quickly. Little toddlers run around with bare feet, and it's good and it's Right? But if you see a grown man living his life with bare feet, it's weird. He's homeless or he's a hippie. Like there's something strange going on here. Like something's not right. We don't have a, a healthy, mature, developed man. If he's living his whole life, ah, I'm barefoot. And you're like, okay. Like flip-flops are great for the beach. But they're not the footwear choice when going into battle. We are in a war and we must be ready to defeat Satan. Jesus has done our part. Now we do ours. How? By robbing the devil of people. How? By advancing with the gospel of peace. Actually carrying the gospel of peace. We're rescuing people with the gospel of the kingdom of God. We don't want to see them destroyed and we're not fighting against them. We're fighting a spiritual war. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. Man, do we have power? We do. The gospel is the power of God. It is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. So we're putting on the the shoes. That means I'm ready to share the gospel. I've got the truth of God established in my life. I'm protecting my heart, reminding myself of what's true about the righteousness of Jesus applied to me. I'm advancing. I'm ready to carry the gospel of peace. You're, you're You're starting to see the picture of a saint equipped for battle a saint ready. Will the enemy attack? Yeah. Will there be some dings? Will the armor get scratched up? Absolutely. There's going to be friction. There's going to be conflict. Satan's not going to go, oh no, I'm scared. He has armor on. Satan's going to go, how can I deceive? How can I deceive? How can I get him to take that belt off? If I can get that belt, if I can get him to get away from the truth, then I can start taking him apart. I know I can't get him on the big stuff. I got to start subtle. I know she's not going to fall for that. That's way too obvious for her. She's past that. But, ooh, ooh, I found an opening. I found an opening. I can work with that. And I'll take it. I'm never going to get her into my kingdom. It's not going to happen. I know that. She's not coming back to the darkness. But I can minimize something here. I can make her, I can reduce her fruit. I'm not going to get him to come back to me. He's not going to walk away from Jesus. I see that. But let let me make him weak in battle. Let me make him a wimpy Christian. Let me let let him be not what the Lord wants him to be, strong, mature, armed and ready and effective. Let me at least let him stop taking so many people from my ranks, would be Satan's approach. This is how he would work. This is what he's doing. This is how demons are influencing. This is how they're attempting to. But when we put on the full armor of God, we are protected from these attacks. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one or the flaming arrows. So just like we would think about from the movies, right? They cover that arrow in tar or some sort of oil, and then they light that thing on fire. Boom! An arrow coming at you would be bad enough. Seeing that whole sky, you're like, Ugh, this is not pleasant. But a flaming one, I suspect, would feel worse. <laughs> but what, the, what these Roman soldiers would do is they would have their shields. A lot of times they were a wooden shield. A lot of the more inexpensive ones would have been wooden, but they would wrap it with leather, and then they would soak the whole thing in water before battle. So you would get your wooden shield waterlogged, and you would get your your leather waterlogged. So you go into battle. So even when they shoot flaming arrows, because that stuff could spatter, and your your shields are catching on fire, like we got problems on top of problems that we don't need. So they, they would be extinguished. You hold up your shield. Your, some of them were really large shields, like four foot by two foot, so the whole man could— get behind the thing and have coverage from an arrow so this is the picture again the saints reading this they understood like oh that's what the shield of faith is so the shield of faith in the same way our faith needs to be soaked in the fresh water of the word of god other way we believe exclusively with our brains yes i believe that's true yes i believe that's true yes i believe that but is it a faith from the heart or is it i would get that right on a paper test At any given moment, most of us would get anything right on a paper test. Hey, is this true or is that true? This one's true. Is this true or is that true? We could ace that when it comes to Bible, when it comes to Christian living, when it comes to is the devil good or bad. We could get an A plus on that. But the shield of faith has not been soaked in the water of the word of God. If we're not really that and really what I'm teaching you is that is the shield of faith. You don't have a shield of faith if you don't have a shield of faith because faith comes from hearing the word of God. So otherwise we believe with our brains, but we're not really bad already. And we need our spirit full if it's going to resist spiritual attack. That's where real faith comes from. You all know the difference. We all know when we've been in, I believe, versus God's word is true. I don't care what happens next, I will not be moved. Those are two different states. One of those is holding up the shield of faith going, It don't matter what happens in front of my eyes or what comes into my ears or any of my five senses. You couldn't pay me enough money. I couldn't doubt right now if I wanted to. That's the shield of faith. Mm Are you going, I won't be moved off the word of God versus the, I know that's true, but I don't have the spiritual fuel and the real fire behind it. The shield of faith. Where does it come from? Again, everything brings us back to the word of God. All these pieces of armor bring us right back to the scripture. This is why your Bible is so important for you. We're not just trying to learn history. We're we're getting the living and active word of God in our hearts. Verse 17, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, a helmet. What's the helmet do? Well, the helmet does protect your mind. Helmet does protect your brain, but the helmet specifically of salvation. So what am I to do with that? Keep on your mind the assurance and the fruit of your salvation. And I don't just mean the, the fruit that's coming, but I mean the fruit that's now. This refers to the ongoing state of peace and joy that you should enjoy as a child of God. And you confidently identify with what the Lord has already done. So when we talk about salvation, don't just jump to, yeah, heaven when I die. No, salvation, right in that seat that you're in right now, the Lord has provided you with a holistic salvation. His peace, his comfort, his joy, his love. You have a new life. That was the salvation. The salvation's done. And I go to heaven when I die? Yes, also that. But oftentimes, again, we've become accustomed to a a particular message that's been popularized. Billy Graham, the kind of message where it's like, hey, pray this and you die and go to heaven. And we praise God for Billy Graham and everybody who came into the kingdom. But that's not the full picture of salvation. The full picture of salvation is be rescued and enjoy the kingdom of God now. And there's a million benefits that come with that. And of course, that would include your eternal security and everything else. But the helmet of salvation enjoys all of that. Keeping on your mind, meditating on day and night. God loves you. You have a father. You've been set free from the power of sin. Everything that you would meditate on on the goodness of God. God will heal you. God will care for you. God will forgive you over and over as you confess your sin. God will fellowship with you. He will walk with you. He will teach you. He will lead you. He will provide for you. Keeping these things on our mind, this is a great protection. Another great protection as we go into battle. What, what can Satan do at this point? I mean, you think about all these pieces we're putting together. My heart's protected. My mind's protected. I'm established in truth. Satan only deals in lies. That's his currency. That's his weapon. So when, I've a st- when I'm clearly continuing to build up my life with truth, Satan's going, I don't have anything to work with here. And it gets more subtle and it gets more subtle with his very limited resources. He's got one third. That's a lot. Well, we got two thirds, two thirds of the angels. And most importantly, we have the king. So if all, if three thirds of the angels left, we'd go, we win. Why? We have Jesus. We have the king, the one that created all of you. But two thirds of Jesus's angelic kingdom is still fighting for the people of God, still fighting for So the prince of Persia was holding back a prayer, and he got spanked. He got tag-teamed. They both came at him, and God's will prevailed as the saint continued to pray. We haven't gotten to that one yet. We'll get there in a second. So the sword of the Spirit, he says, which is the Word of God. That one he makes explicitly plain. What's this one mean? Well, maybe this, maybe that. What's this one mean? It could be this, could be that. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What am I supposed to do with that? Well, obviously, that is not a defensive weapon. That is not a defensive measure. The sword is for stabbing. The sword is for slicing. Take that weapon out and use it. Swing my Bible like a sword? No. Speak the word of God, just like Jesus did. The word of God, the word of God out of your mouth, just like Jesus did. When Jesus was engaged in spiritual warfare, we see him over and over. It is written. It is written. It is said. Challenging thing, of course, Satan didn't come to him and go, hey, You know, you ought to hate God. God's dumb, right? That's not a temptation Jesus was going to bite on. But he came to him with, he's like, all right, I've studied this one. I've watched him. This guy hasn't sinned his entire life as far as I can tell. It's not good. He's just been baptized. The father from heaven literally said out loud for people to even hear, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Some people lied to themselves through the deception of Satan said, that was thunder. And other people said, That was, God just spoke out loud to us. So now the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Why? Well, this is a unique calling on Jesus's life and ministry that thank God uh, we don't have to walk through in the same exact way. We'll be tempted by the devil, don't get me wrong. But the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. Jesus has to pass tests that you and I didn't. And thank God he passed them for us. But Jesus responds with the word of God. But Satan attacks with the word of God. Hey, the Bible says this. Yeah, but it's a twisted. it's It's a misunderstood. It's not the whole thing. Yeah, it does say that. But you're forgetting this. You're bringing one thing without the other thing. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. And of course, the master of lies was defeated by Jesus as he rightly applied the word of truth. So the word of God, of course, as we keep emphasizing for every piece of armor is our solution, is our protection. But the word of God in our mouths, God says this. God says that actually reciting those kinds of things out of your mouth. That's part of your meditation on the goodness of God. Man, if you've got a thought about the Lord, say it out loud. If you've got a scripture on your mind, bring it out of your mouth. Weaponize the thing all the way, all the way through your mouth. Ooh, I'm meditating. Man, I'm just reminded of that. that The Lord loves me. I'm just reminded of that verse. You're thinking on something. It's blessing you. You're meditating on it. Let it come all the way. It came from here. It came from that heart. But let it come all the way up. Bring it all the way up. Don't don't just let it live in the brain. It's good. It's sweet. It's wonderful. But bring it all the way up out of your mouth. Just like Jesus. Say it. Declare it. As we encourage one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Let everybody around you experience that blessing of that overflow that you have. Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer. We pray in tongues. We pray in English. We pray for one another. We pray for boldness. We pray to advance God's kingdom. Should I pray about this? Yes. Well, I haven't seen anything yet. I guess the Lord's answer is no. I wouldn't be so sure. Have you prayed in accordance with his will? Have you prayed in accordance with his word? We already know his answer. Well, why hasn't it happened yet? That I don't know. I don't know if it's the prince of Persia. I don't know if it's some other demon, some other rank. But I know what I'm supposed to do, walk by faith and continue to pray. And as I pray, I make tremendous power available, the scripture says. Just like Elijah when he prayed. He prayed, and the Bible tells us that it didn't rain for three years on the earth. And it doesn't. the point of the verse is not to go, Elijah was awesome. The point of the verse is literally to say he was a man just like us. That's what James does with that verse. He didn't go, and that's a real prophet for you. He goes, he was a man like us. So pray. Well, I haven't seen it yet. Well, pray. Pray. Who knows what may be going on? The Lord might reveal it to you like he did Daniel. The Lord might reveal that kind of thing to you like he did Daniel. Say, there's something going on here. This angel needs more power available to him. Well, couldn't the Lord do things different? He most definitely could. But this is what he has done. So we will operate in it and walk in obedience to it. No one is more powerful than the Lord, but the Lord has set things up and there is a, a legal system. There is a rulership. And because of Adam and Adam's treason, things are the way they are for this moment, and for this season. Until Jesus fully and permanently establishes his eternal kingdom. So saints, your prayers matter. They don't just matter for you. They matter for me. And they matter for the world that we live in. Our prayers matter. Keep praying. Keep being faithful. Jesus told the parable about the widow. She, she wanted a righteous judgment from the judge. And just because she kept coming, just because she kept coming, even an unrighteous judge will say, I'll give her what she wants just because she won't stop nagging me. Jesus used that as a good example for us. How much more our loving father, not because we nag, because we nag, because we nag, but because as we pray, the Lord's going, that bowl of prayer is filling up. That bowl of prayer is filling up. That bowl of prayer is filling up. And we're like, well, I prayed, I'll give up. Oh, don't stop praying. Fill up that bowl of prayer. And when that bowl of prayer is filled up, you know what's going to happen? He's going to pour it out. And now we see the answer we go, it came all of a sudden. It didn't come all of a sudden. It didn't come all of a sudden. That bowl of prayer was filling up. Don't confuse this with I earned it. Don't confuse this with I deserved it because of the that's not the message of the scripture. That's not what we see at all. But there is this fellowship and there is this power supply that the Lord makes available because the Lord loves you. The Lord loves fellowship with you. The Lord wants to be with you. Fill that bowl of prayer. Fill that bowl of prayer. I'm filling that bowl of prayer. When you're praying and when you're not seeing something, I'm filling that bowl of prayer up and I'm making power available. The details, the rest belongs to the Lord. Whether or not I know all the details of what happened, I will be faithful, praying at all times. With the spirit, this would have been referencing. He doesn't reference a weapon here, but this very likely would have been referencing a lance. They also had a spear, so this is not just the sword that they had. Almost like a shorter <laughs> dagger weapon. This is also their longer spear. So this is the I can reach out and touch something. You can go farther in prayer. This this dagger, this this sword of the spirit would have been a shorter range, closer range weapon, but the lance of prayer would have been used for even more distance work. So continue to pray. We are a spiritual people and a physical people. We are living a spiritual existence and a physical existence. We must be aware and prepared for the spiritual part of that life, just as we are for the physical. And then we've got our last few verses here. We'll go through them. They're, they're simple as he brings his final greeting. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. So this letter would have been delivered by Tychicus. Tych, he was, the, he was the, the ups man bringing the letter to the door saying, hey, 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 uh, where, where's Timothy? Uh, where is, where's the church leaders? Where are the elders here in the, the church of Ephesus? Uh, I have I've brought a letter from Paul. And then this letter would have been circulated and read throughout the church. So this is how this would have taken place. I sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from, the God, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Praise God. What a beautiful, powerful book. The book of Ephesians is a blessing. It is a gem. Hadn't it been a pleasure to go through it verse by verse and to see what the Lord has done, to see what he's given, to see how he loves us, God, we just thank you right now in the name of Jesus for your word. What a treasure, what a blessing that you have fed us so well with our daily bread, that you have fed us with the scripture, that you have, that you, uh, Holy Spirit, that you instructed your saints, that you gave Paul your words to bless the church then and now so that we would walk in obedience, that we would walk in devotion, that we would walk in maturity. God, as we received this entire letter from you, we say we receive it with gratitude and we ask you to continue to mature us in what you've put in us. Keep opening up the eyes of our hearts, just like you taught us in chapter one. Teach us to pray that way, Lord. And as we finished here in chapter six, God, remind us to put on the armor, that we will be fully equipped for battle and eager to get into that fight, knowing that Jesus is leading us from the front. Jesus is engaged with us. The Holy Spirit is guiding us. I plead the blood of Jesus over us as a church. God, we ask that you would protect us from our enemy. Protect us from the spiritual attacks of Satan. Protect us from every demon in hell. Protect us from the prince and powers of the air. Do it by your spirit, do it by your power, and do it by equipping us. Even if we're good soldiers, God, we may forget to put on that breastplate like that soldier we referenced earlier. We may forget a piece of armor. Help us to cover one another, even in prayer. Keep us strong. Keep us aware. You have given us mighty weapons, mighty for the tearing down of strongholds, for destroying the work of the devil, for glorifying your name and establishing your kingdom. We advance in joy. We advance in confidence. We advance in wisdom. We advance in preparation. Ready to share the gospel and make disciples for your glory. Thank you for strengthening us, making us strong in the power of your might, not in our own, but in yours. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you great peace. In Jesus' name, amen.